0: And our next speaker is Peter Herford. Peter works as the lead researcher at Rethink Priorities, an organization dedicated to conducting foundational research on neglected causes, we like that, um in an empirical and transparent manner. Peter is also a data scientist at DataRobot. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Herford. Oh,
1: Hey everyone, my name is Peter. As Heather said, um, I co-founded Rethink Priorities. We are a research organization dedicated to finding awesome causes for EAs to support. One of those causes is the ballot initiative process, and I'm excited to talk to you about that today. But before we get into ballot initiatives, I want to just ask, kind of, how do we pass policy here in the United States? Um, you might be familiar with the Senate, the House of Representatives, and it kind of has a reputation of really nothing getting done. Um, you may have some really awesome legislation that you're really excited about, but it gets stuck for years. Um, it doesn't even come up for a vote, let alone actually pass out of the House and Senate. Um, and you might have to like find a lobbyist, and like where are the lobbyists? Like I don't really know. I haven't seen any. Um, they might be expensive, and like it's really just kind of an opaque, difficult process that's really prone to failure. So I want to talk to you about the ballot initiative process. With ballot initiatives, the, you take your policy and you put it directly on the ballot for people to vote. Rather than like voting for a particular senator or representative to pass policy for you, you see the policy on the ballot and you vote yes or no. And if enough people vote yes, the policy just directly becomes law without any senators or representatives involved. So this is really a way to kind of bring policy directly to the people. And it doesn't get bogged down in committee. And I think this really makes it actually easier to pass desired policy. And this process is also more accessible for effective altruists like us to make more use of. Um, So first I'm going to talk about why I think it's easier to pass the desired policy. Um, So let's look at 2014. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that EAs are aligned with the Democratic Party, but to kind of look at the difference between the federal level and ballot initiative level, I think it's useful to kind of analyze the Democratic Party a little bit. So in 2014, the Democrats had a really bad year on the national level. They lost nine different Senate seats, and they lost 13 House seats. But at the same time, ballot initiatives passed some legislation that Democrats are in favor of. We had four different states vote to legalize marijuana directly on the ballot, and two different states expanded criminal rights and reduced sentences for criminals. Uh, Ben Castleman, a political analyst, kind of summed this up as saying that he was sort of surprised that voters really want a higher minimum wage, they really want access to marijuana, they want more access to abortion, but they're still voting for Republicans left and right. Um, So this is kind of the paradox of ballot initiatives. And we can sort of see this in 2018 as well. Democrats lost more Senate seats, but they did gain a lot of House seats. Um, and more states legalized marijuana on the ballot. Uh, more states expanded criminal rights. And we even had a landmark legislation here in California um, to um, produce more cage-free reforms. Um, so again, the kind of paradox of ballot initiatives is on one side, you see Washington State just in May, they expanded an ex- sweeping cage-free egg law um, that was passed by the state legislature, but it was under threat of a ballot initiative that if you kind of don't compromise and pass this compromise legislation, we're going to come at you with a ballot initiative and pass it anyway. But at the same time, on the federal level, you got this guy named Congressman Steve King who thinks that cage-free reforms are a violation of free trade, and he's looking to kind of outlaw them all on the national level and kind of create one sort of animal welfare standard nationwide that doesn't even really take into account animal welfare. So you've got states and ballot initiatives kind of really giving us a lot of success we want, and the federal level is like going backwards, not even like staying put. Um, and ballot initiatives have worked really well for animal welfare reform. Uh, many different states have passed ballot initiatives to expand ac- to expand animal welfare rights, such as California, Oregon, Washington, even Ohio, Maine, Massachusetts. Um, this ballot initiative process has really delivered a lot of victories in animal welfare. And it can deliver a lot of victories in other policy areas as well. Um, for example, we can see that it's kind of really been used to pass 22 different minimum wage increases. Um, it's been used to help um, same-sex marriage, but at the same time, other people can use the process too. There's um, a lot of pro-death penalty has been passed on the ballot initiative level. There's been anti-animal welfare initiatives on the ballot level. Um, and additionally, legislation's not always 100% successful. In fact, marijuana decriminalization, which we kind of think of as really taking off right now, only has a barely above 50% batting average. Um, so a lot of it is really just kind of getting out there and passing as many initiatives as we can and being kind of strategic about where we pass these initiatives. But we don't necessarily need to have success every single, in every single area. Um, so that's kind of my general case of why I think it's easier to pass our desired policy using ballot initiatives as opposed to figuring out how to get things through the federal level. But I also want to talk about how kind of accessible this process is. Um, it might really be something that we, as an effective altruist movement, still a fairly young movement, we have some connections but not a lot, but this is a process we really can use. Um, so there are 27 different states in the United States that can pass ballot initiatives. Um, It's mainly popular out west. Um, And every state kind of has their own set of laws. No state really has the same process. But these processes really can be understood and mastered. Also, there's not just states, but municipalities. Many cities like Seattle, Berkeley, Los Angeles, Boston. many You can pass many ballot initiatives on the city level as well. And that might be even more accessible for us. Um, and so here's kind of an example of like how you actually go about the ballot initiative process. Again, because every state is different, I'm going to kind of pick a specific example using the state here of California. You kind of start out by doing a preliminary filing and um, you create a petition that you want to put on the ballot. This petition then does get reviewed by the state government, and they're not allowed to be like, we're not doing this because we dislike you, or we don't think this is popular, but they are allowed to say that they think this is unconstitutional. Um, so you do have to make sure your ballot accords with the state constitution. Afterward, there's a 30-day public review period where people are allowed to kind of give public comment on your initiative. And after that happens, you then actually prepare a, a literal petition. And this is a petition you're going to actually be taking to the streets, to the public, because you need to collect over 600,000 signatures. And if you want to get this on the ballot in 2020, um, you better hurry up, because the signatures are due by April. Um, and, but once you have like these signatures, and there's a chance to kind of make sure they're legit signatures by actual people and not, like, someone just writing 100 names on a sheet of paper. Um, if you have successful valid signatures, your, ball- your measure then actually literally goes on the ballot. Um, if you voted here in California, you've probably even seen it. There might even be too many. You might be overwhelmed by the amount of initiatives on your ballot. Um, but then, when it comes to election day, people vote yes or no, and you then have to meet a specific threshold, which is usually but not always 50%. And if it passes, it becomes law, and that's basically it. You've passed a law. Congratulations. Um, so what do you need? Okay, so I did say it was accessible, but it's not necessarily accessible for like literally any of us. Um, you do need some resources. Um, you need to be able to hire consultants and lawyers. You need to be able to hire a robust signature collection um, to get all those hundreds of thousands of signatures. And usually, depending on where you're trying to pass the initiative, what kind of initiative it is, how popular it is, you need somewhere between 400,000 to $12 million. Um, and some of that goes into signature collection, and some of that goes into, like, TV advertising to help pe- convince people to pass that initiative. Um, the process also takes usually one to three years. Um, sometimes you can speed things up, especially if you have a lot of money, um, and other times it's harder. Some of it varies state by state. Um, I would recommend if you want to do something for 2020, you better really hurry up. Um, but there's also 2022 and 2024 to look forward to, or maybe you can take a more relaxed attitude to your initiative pacing. Um, and this isn't something that we're actually doing in effective altruism. Open Philanthropy Project, which is a major EA foundation, has given $1.5 million to criminal justice reform in Florida, and they've given $4 million to cage-free egg initiatives here in California. Um, and both of those initiatives passed with that support. Um, And this is something that Rethink Priorities is also really trying to be involved in. Um, Right now, we're really trying to focus on animal welfare reforms, um, such as the sweeping cage-free legislation that we've already been seeing very successful. We're trying to kind of figure out like how we can take that further, um, which policies we might want to pass next to kind of keep momentum going. Um, on animal welfare and we're kind of doing a lot of analysis of ballot initiative strategy and we've started working with civis analytics to run polls and develop predictive models to kind of identify policies that we think can actually pass in particular states and cities. Um, and we're going to be producing um, a lot more detailed analysis than just this talk and we're going to put it up on the effective altruism forum for everyone to see. Um, here's a little bit of people on our policy team. It's myself, Marcus, Neil, and David. You can kind of see a lot more of our work at rethinkpriorities.org. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can email me. And also, if you want to talk to me either in the Q and A session or in office hours after this talk. I'd really be interested in talking with people who want to participate in the ballot initiative process, who might want to be interested in funding other ballot initiative processes, or who are just kind of excited to use this as an opportunity to really pass Austin awesome legislation and actually get things going. Um, thank you.
0: whichever see like uh, a gentleman's choice. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thank you. So question that we have is, what can be done when state leadership ignores the outcome of ballot initiatives, such as the Florida expansion of voting rights to former felons? All
1: right. Well, they can't literally ignore the initiative because it becomes literal law once it's passed. So they do have to take actual active... Attempt they have to, for example, pass their own legislation to like veto the ballot initiative. so it does have to kind of go through and get majority support. Um, but it is important to acknowledge that like ballot initiatives aren't like permanent forever. like any other law, they can be repealed often frequently and you can maybe even get into some sort of ping pong match where you keep passing an initiative and having it repealed. Um, but that actually doesn't happen to too many initiatives when we looked into it. Um like fewer than 5% of initiatives were actually getting repealed by the state. Um so most legis- most initiatives are usually here to stay.
0: All right. Good. That's good to hear. Um another question, do you have concerns about a legislature weakening a ballot initiative after it passes? I'm thinking another more Florida coming up. I'm thinking about the voting rights amendments <laughs> in Florida. Do you have data or a hunch for how often this happens?
1: Uh, yeah, as I said, it kind of doesn't really happen too often, um, usually like 5% or less. Um, usually legislationers don't really want to overrule the popular will like that explicitly because they know that like, especially in Florida, there's a 60% threshold to passing initiatives. So anything that passes in Florida has to be like fairly popular. Um, so they do risk open themselves up to some risk of public backlash. Um, so they want to be careful about that. But it is important to acknowledge that initiatives are not permanent.
0: Thank you. And uh, this will probably be our last question. Um, um, Oh, wait, no, we have a little time, if there are more. Um, So what are some of the most exciting ballot initiative ideas you've put thought into?
1: Oh, the most exciting initiatives? Uh, I'm still, like, really excited about a lot of the momentum we've been seeing in um, kind of um, cage free egg laws, especially banning the sale of caged eggs from other states. There used to be a pretty large loophole that you could, like, maybe it would be illegal to have, grow, um, chickens in cages, but other states could just import as many caged eggs as they want. Um, but now, like, California has outlawed the, even like the sale of caged eggs. Um, so like that kind of adds a little bit more impact. And I'm really excited to kind of, see that happening in other states like in washington just in may um they just passed more cage-free egg reform
0: great thank you um what do you think the lowest hanging fruit is for animal initiatives and which states do you think are most worthwhile lobbying for them in
1: yeah um so usually like california and massachusetts have been the the top two states where it's been easiest to pass this kind of legislation Um, they were also some of the first states to pass legislation for cage-free eggs. Um, Arizona also tends to be a very good state. Um, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington tend to also be states that tend to be surprisingly receptive to animal welfare reform and have the initiative process. Um, Generally, you want to kind of find a sweet spot where there's like enough animal industry that your initiative matters, but not so much that there's like kind of too many people that don't want that kind of initiative to happen.
0: Great, thank you. Um, is there a risk that popularizing ballot initiatives encourages their use among people with really bad ideas?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. I mean, we live in a democracy, and one of the downsides of a democracy is that people with bad ideas are still just as eligible to participate as you are. And um, because it's not an authoritarian regime, we still do need to, like, go out there and win hearts and minds toward our causes. Um, so there's, like, definitely room for a large room for interpersonal advocacy as well. Thanks.
0: Um, It's clear that some positive policies can be passed through ballot initiatives, but as you mentioned, there are also negative policies that can be passed, like anti-animal welfare laws. So similar to the question before, um, do you think that more positive than negative policies can be passed through these initiatives?
1: I do. um, I think, like, we've kind of by the numbers, we sort of see that there are... I mean, it depends on what you think of as a positive... Initiative, I don't want to necessarily speak on behalf of the entire EA movement by like labeling particular policies as positive or negative. But especially in animal welfare reform so far, there's been a lot, at least in kind of after 2000, there's been a lot more pro-animal welfare legislation than anti-animal le- welfare legislation. Um, and we've kind of been seeing more victories, uh, at initiatives. And of course, that potentially could change in the future if like agriculture um advocates um end up getting more organized or better funded um but for now we seem to be in a good position
0: great Great. thank you let me see if there's anything else that's come through on the app um wow there's such a stack of questions that we've already gone through i think that's it so all right cool thank you so much everyone